As I read these two passages, if you are members of our church, these ought to be pretty uh, familiar passages for you. Um, I think for many Christians, we all know that these are the two commandments, two ordinances that Jesus has commanded us as followers of Jesus Christ to obey. But one of the things I realized as I've been Christians for a while is that many Christians look at these two, baptism and communion, in two extreme view. We have a lot of people that will look at baptism and communion and see this as an optional thing. That I can kind of do it when I have time, I can join it whenever I feel like I do it. And become a very optional observant of what God has commanded us to do. But then there is also another extreme. That some people see it as a ritual. That somehow there is this ritual, that tradition that we do. And, and because we're Christians, we need to do it every month. We need to do it a certain way. And so we, we tend to go from one extreme to the other extreme. Making it optional. And some people make it very ritual. Some people make it very traditional. Some people uh, make it very, very, very uh very casual in the way they approach them. Recently, I have a chance to ask a group of believers and ask them, name out the marks of what it means to be a church. Based on their understanding of scripture, what are some distinctive marks of being a church of Jesus? And of course, they list out the usual thing that perhaps you are listing out right now, the word of God, which is central. That's why we're preaching in our service. We study the word of God, prayer, fellowship, serving the needy, and all these very distinctive things that makes up the church. But it wasn't until very late in that conversation, someone actually said, how about baptism? Is baptism a specific mark, uh, distinctive that the church should? And in fact, that's what exactly what Jesus said, right? And after all that discussion, actually, no one even mentioned communion as being the distinctive mark of a church. See, for many of us, we think of these things as external symbols, a very personal thing. I get baptized, I came to know the Lord. I take communion. Even when we gather as a church, it can very much easily become a personal reflection. Just, just happened that everyone else is in the room. But as we will see today, these external symbols are a reflective of something meaningful, deep, of deep reality that we have between our relationship with Jesus. So I want to take an opportunity today to talk about baptism and communion. Though we observe communion on a monthly basis, we have baptism at least once a year, if not twice. And I'm extremely happy and excited that even in COVID season, we can continue to participate in baptism. That that will be coming up. But I want to share with us why it is so important that these symbols are not just symbols of no significance or very little significance in our lives. I hear this saying all the time from a lot of Christians even that, oh, aren't these just symbols anyway? Like they're just external symbols. It show, it displays something that is deep inside of But so, it doesn't, so the, the implication, the idea is that just because they are symbols, it doesn't matter. Just because they're symbols, they're external, they're not real. It does, we don't need to care so much about it. And I, every time I hear that, I want to challenge that person, ask the person to talk to a bride a soon-to-be bride, someone who's about to get married, someone who is putting together a wedding ceremony, a wedding banquet. Ask that bride-to-be if symbol is important. I can guarantee you, out of excitement and oftentimes stress, that bride, those are not just symbols. Those are things, external things, yes, but it reflects something very, very meaningful for her and her husband-to-be because it is celebrate, commemorate, a relationship of two people become one. 
So you, you will never hear that bride that says, oh, this is just simple and whatever. If that is the case, likely that marriage is not on, on, built on stable ground in the first place. It's more than just a piece of paper. Try, if you think symbols are not important, talk to a mom who are raising up two kids and working full-time and trying to get an undergraduate degree, paying her own way through. Try telling that mom that that piece of paper, that diploma is just a piece of paper with printed words on it. You see, that piece of paper means so much more. Yes, it is a symbol. Yes, it is an external display. But that paper represents all the hard work that she had put in. All the crying nights while she's trying to feed her kids and study at the same time. All the money she needed to shell out of her own pocket so that she can pay the tuition to get the degree, being the first person in her family to graduate from college. See, yes, it's a symbol, but it's a meaningful symbol. If you think symbol doesn't matter, try talking to someone, talk to some professional athlete who makes millions of dollars. Now, all of us here, most of us watching this likely living in L.A., certainly not my pleasure nor my honor to say this, but the Los Angeles Lakers, the team that I don't root for, and the Los Angeles Dodgers both won their world championship this past year. Now, tell those players they're holding the trophy. If you watch any of the clips that they won the championship, every player wants to go and reach and touch the trophy. Now, imagine you tell that player, it's just a, a piece of metal, they will tell you otherwise. The reason why that symbol, why it is so important for that trophy is so important is not just the trophy itself, but what it represents. I mean, these are professional athletes making millions of dollars, and yet what they crave for, what they long for is a ultimate, being called ultimate champion. That symbol, that trophy, that ceremony represents something deep, deep inside that they are longing for, to be validated. And so it is never just a symbol. Because the significance of that symbol is proportional to how meaningful that symbol is representing. And for us as Christians, baptism and communion, I'll focus mostly on baptism because it's baptism on Sunday today, it represents something ought to be the most important thing of our lives. If it is the most important thing for our lives, then these things are meaning, these symbols are meaningful. The ceremony, the being baptized, yes, is an external uh, action, expression, but it represents something deep, deep inside of us. And I hope it is something that really directs our lives, purpose our lives, and lead our lives. So baptism is no longer just something I have to do. Or I'll do it whenever I get a time to do. But it will be something that I get to do. Because that represents something super important, deep, deep into our lives and our relationship with God. So what does baptism and communion represent? What, do, what are they symbols of? I want to briefly share with us three things that are symbols of. Both baptism and communion are symbols of these three important truths about our lives. The first one is this. The symbols, uh, baptism and communion are symbols of our obedience to Jesus. It, uh, they are both symbols of us obeying King Jesus. Right from the get-go in the passage that I read for us in Matthew 28, it was, it was included in there, our call to go make disciples. First thing is do when we go make disciples, what do we do? We go. In Matthew 28, it says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And how else do we make disciples? 
It says we baptize them. We baptize them. It is a command for us to baptize people. It is a command to be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. As you continue to see verse 20, it says this, teaching them to observe. See, a Christian life, a gospel that saves us is not just a gospel that, that we put in our pocket. It's not just a, a list of tenets and doctrines that we believe in. It is actually a submission of obedience to King Jesus. And that's what we're doing. When we are getting baptized, we're obeying Jesus Christ. Baptism is the first step of our obedience to Jesus. We can never just say, oh, I believe in Jesus, but I don't want to get baptized. Because that is very clear from Matthew 20. That is one of the first commands Jesus gave you. If you put your faith in Jesus, the first step of obedience is what? To get baptized. Here's the challenge for many people that I've talked to that are believers for a long time, but unwilling to get baptized. My question oftentimes for them is this. If you're unwilling to take the first step of obedience, what can guarantee you to take the next step of obedience, the third step of obedience, the fourth step of obedience? If you do not start out with a relationship in the beginning of your commitment to Jesus, start out being obedient in the first beginning step stage of your life with Jesus, how are we going to guarantee that we'll continue to walk with Jesus for the rest of our lives? See, baptism doesn't save us, but baptism is, our, is a step of obedience, saying that no, no longer I'm just submitting myself to Jesus inwardly, but I'm willing to obey Jesus outwardly as well. This is why I believe that in Acts chapter 8, there's a story of Philip coming alongside a road and met a guy who happened to be Ethiopian eunuch. And he was reading Isaiah 53, and he was wondering, what is this all about? And he knew about God, but doesn't know about Jesus. But God divinely brought Philip to meet him and help him to explain what he was reading from this passage from Isaiah 53 was actually all about Jesus. And what I want to turn your attention to is this. After he understood that, understand, according to the story, we know that he believed in Jesus, but he asked a very, very instinctual question. Here's what he says in Acts chapter 8, verse 36. After he put his faith in Jesus, he was still walking along with Philip, and along the way, he see this. He says, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? You know what the Ethiopian eunuch was asking? He's essentially saying, what's keeping me from getting baptized? I believe in Jesus. I put my faith in Jesus. Now a relationship with Jesus. I see water there. Why shouldn't I be baptized? It's almost as if Philip, when he was preaching the gospel, actually took Matthew 28, the passage we just read, seriously, and, and shared the gospel and helped that person to know that baptism is our step of obedience in following Jesus. And for the Ethiopian eunuch, it makes sense. Why, should I, why shouldn't I get baptized? I trust in Jesus. I should get baptized. That is the logical steps of obedience. But unfortunately for many believers, though, we ask the exact opposite question. Instead of saying, why shouldn't I get baptized? We start asking, why should I get baptized? And then we conjure up all these excuses and all these reasons why I should not get baptized. The bottom line question of baptism is not whether you're ready or not, whether you're mature or not. The bottom line question of baptism is, did you put your trust in Jesus? Have you made Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? Are you willing to devote your whole life to Jesus? If you have to make that profession of faith, you are 
called, commanded to obey Jesus to get baptized. So, no, so why should we get baptized? Simply because Jesus commands us. Jesus commands us because I love my King Jesus. I will obey whatever he calls me to do. Now certainly, baptism is so much more than just dutiful obedience. But that cannot never be anything less of obedience though. Yes, it should, it should be part of our love for Jesus, part of our commitment to Jesus, but it has to be more, it has to at least be our obedience to Jesus. So that's the first symbol. Baptism is a symbol of our obedience to Christ. That's our first step. If we don't take that first step, how are we going to say we're going to continue to obey Jesus for the rest of our lives? And here's the second symbol. That baptism, not only symbol of our obedience to Christ, baptism is also symbol of our identification with Christ. See, the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about marking us apart from the world. See, in a world where we live to, to get the world and Jesus, many people, when they think of the gospel, when we think of Jesus, how can I get Jesus and also get the world too? How can I live in, with both feet on, in, in, in the world and one feet in the world, one feet in Jesus? I want the best of everything. But the gospel of Jesus, Jesus himself illustrated, the kingdom of God is like that man who found this treasure in the field Decided to go sell everything else and then come back and bought that piece of land. Is that important? The nature of the gospel of Jesus marks us, draw a, land, uh, draw a line in the sand for us that we no longer be a part of the world. We no longer live for the world. We no longer live by the standard of the world. See, when we talk about identification, Jesus wants us to identify with him, not just in just a prayer in receiving him, but also externally. That's what baptism represents, that I am one with Christ. That I'm with Christ in his death. Because of his death, my sins have been forgiven. Because of his resurrection, I have a hope that's beyond this world, that no matter how, how, how bad COVID may be, one day I'll be with God forever. That my life on this world has an expiration date, but there will be a bright, brighter future for me in heaven. See, Jesus did not save us to give us all things here on earth. Jesus saves us so that we can have Jesus himself. So that he can be our all. And when we are practicing baptism, when we're committed to get baptized, we're showing that we are one identified with Jesus, both inwardly in our confession, in our faith, but externally in my action as well. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 to 4 says this. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. When we are baptized, we're baptized into the death of Jesus. We're saying we're just like Jesus. We're dying like Jesus. We're committing ourselves to Jesus in our death, but also in our, in our resurrection, in our, in our lives. That's why you will hear me say that when, we, when I baptize later, I use this, I quote this passage to ask those who are getting baptized, is this the commitment that you're willing to make? That you're identifying yourself to belong to Jesus, both in his death and also in his resurrection. And then the verse said, 
that you are committed to walk in the newness of life. You're committed to live for Jesus. See, baptism is an outward expression of our inner identification with Jesus. I think the best picture I can think of for those of us who are married is our wedding ring. My wife and I have been happily married for 12 years. On the day when we got married, uh, we exchanged our vow, our commitment to one another. And like most, if not all, all, all Westerners, what we exchange our ring. The ring represents a union and identification that I belong to my wife and my wife belongs to me. So every time I walk out with my ring, everyone knows that I am a married man. I'm committed to my wife. And the same thing is true for her when she's wearing her ring. People see that and there is an instant identification. You know that person is married because it was put on my left hand and my fourth finger. But now here I want to imagine something. Only imagine though, okay? It never happened, okay? Imagine this. One day you walk along outside when pre-COVID or post-COVID, you saw me at outside of a restaurant. You saw me kind of fuzzing with my ring. I took it off. And then you're like, you're about to come and say hi to Pastor Ben, but then you saw me like kind of doing something. You don't know what to do. And I took out my ring, put it in my pocket, and start rubbing my finger. You thought I was getting hurt, and then you want to come over, but you kind of stayed behind and didn't want to approach me. Before you know it, I walk inside that restaurant. I walk inside the restaurant. I sat down across the table with a beautiful woman that is not my wife. Now, I know you're a Christian, and I know that you're told, don't judge. But let's be honest, what goes through your mind instantly? There is probably something not so good happening when Pastor Ben took off his ring, put it in his pocket, and meet this woman one-on-one -on -one that is not his wife. Because you and I both know that ring represents an identification that I have with my wife. The reason why I take it off is somehow I want to hide that fact about my identification with my wife. Here's a question I want to ask some of us who are believers who are not being baptized. What's keeping you from showing the world that you're identifying with Jesus? That you are marked by Jesus, that no longer are you marked by this world, that you're not living for the standard of this world. Nor are you living by the security of this world. What's keeping you? from showing the world that you belong to Jesus. Just like I, as a married man, belong to my wife, and my wife belong to me. Because this external expression of baptism represents us telling the whole world, our family, our friends. I guess this time for the first time we did it on YouTube, the whole, literally the whole world, anyone can watch this, that you are a Christian. You are a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what it represents. That is what a symbol of. Here's the last one. Not only is it a symbol of our obedience to Christ, it is also a symbol of our identification with Christ. The lastly is this is a symbol of our unity in Christ. Our unity that we're one with Christ and his church. See, many of us, when we think of baptism and communion, we think of, again, as a very personal thing. I, am, I came to know Jesus, now I get baptized. 
But if you look at the passage that we read, all those that we read, Matthew 28, 1 Corinthians 11, all of those are called upon us to partake, not in the absence of the church, but in the presence of the church. What that means is that the person, that, the people, the brothers that are getting baptized, they don't just go in and bathe themselves and, and dunk themselves in and get back up and say, I'm now baptized. Nor do you just take a cup and just take the juice and take the bread and dip it yourself and say, I partake communion. Because the reason is because these symbols are meant to not just commemorate, remember, reflect our personal relationship with God vertically, but it also symbolizes our relationship with one another horizontally, with the body of Jesus Christ, with the church. We are united as one together. Ephesians chapter 4, here's the word I want you to focus on. It's the word one. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4 to 6. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and the Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Later on, when our brothers coming up to get baptized, they're not just get, they're obviously not getting baptized physically in one tub together. But it symbolically, it represents them getting baptized to our church, into the church of Jesus, right here locally in a lowercase c church, but also capital C church that Jesus has died and saved. And that one day we will get to see in Revelation tells us one day we will worship with all the brothers and sisters in different period of time that have been saved by grace through faith. See, our faith is never private. Yes, it is personal, but it's never private. So baptism is meant to display for the world to see that this person no longer just lived by himself, lives for himself, but he is a part of the church of Jesus. You know why that is so important? Turn on the news and you will know why it is so important because the world is not a, a place of unity. With better technology, better uh, advancement of technology, think people are not getting more united. This is why Jesus said, when you're saved, you become a part of my body. You are blood, Jesus' blood related. Now you get to be together and love one another, forgive one another, bear one another. And you get to be a display to the world. What love can be like through Jesus. That it is a greater love than what this world can offer. See, baptism represents that we not only belong to Christ, but we belong to the church of Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus, when he was asked, who are you, who's your father and mother? He said, not, not only my earthly father and mother, he said, the one who does the will of the Father, God the Father. So as believers, those who will be getting baptized, who are part of our church, you belong to the overall big family church. And with that, it is more than just a slogan, oh, we're one church, let's sing together. As one church, there are practical things that we do to commit to one another. That we're united not just because we're nice people, not just because we're all Chinese, not just because all, we all speak English, not just because we all like certain things. We are united because of the bond of Jesus. And the scripture says, the church of Jesus Christ, there are over 51 one another to live, to live by. Someone once said it this way, that we are to one another, one another. So I want to say a word to those of us who are members of this church. 
Because this idea of the body of Christ is not just some nice things to hear, but a real thing that we're called to commit to one another. Here's what I want to charge you for those of us who are church members of this church. As we observe those brothers who will be getting baptized soon, we are committing ourselves to walk alongside these brothers, to pray for them, to hold their hands when they are struggling, to speak truth in their lives in love, to bear with them when they sin against you, to forgive them when they sin against you, to teach them, to mold them, to mature them, to help them to grow as disciples of Jesus. That's your commitment and my commitment as the church, First Chinese Baptist Church in Gabor Valley, to these three brothers who are about to get baptized. So it is so much more than just sitting here and watching them get, get, uh, get baptized, give them flowers and clap for them. There is a commitment on your part and on my part as the church of Jesus to them. One of the things that I do when I go to a wedding these days, three thoughts come to my mind. The first one is this. I thank God that, that my, this is not my wedding. Whenever I show up at a wedding ceremony, I'm happy for the couple. First thought that came to my mind is, I'm so thankful this is not my wedding. Because I remember how stressful it was during my own wedding. The seating chart, people getting ready, trying to make sure I don't say the wrong thing. There are all sorts of things that stress me out, even though it's a joyous occasion. That's the first thought. The second thought I have when I show up at a wedding ceremony is this. While the couple stand up front, they, you know, they just look into each other's eyes and... They just love each other, and, and, and in my mind, I'm thinking, you have no idea. You have no idea what's going to come in your life. And it's not going to be the other person's problem. You have no idea. You feel like you can love one another. You're not, no, the other person cannot wrong. You have no idea what's going to come in just a few days. Because of your own sinfulness, because of the, the, the difference of living together, that will cause you to be sanctified, your character to be challenged. And so that's the second one. The third one is this. The third thought I have every time I go to a wedding is to be reminded the vow and the commitment that I've made to my wife. The promise to be together, to love one another till death do us part. The reason why I share this with you is because I want to encourage every one of us who are a baptized member of this church I pray that you will not have the first two thoughts, but I pray that you have the third thought that I have. That you will be reminded of what God has already done in your life when you get baptized. But not only that, that you will be reminded and challenged that you, God has made, helped you to make a commitment to love the church. Not the building of the church, but the people of the church. And so that's the charge I want to leave you. Here's for those three of you who are getting baptized. Here's what I want you to, I want to get, leave with you before we baptize you is. This is a very meaningful, symbolic moment for you. You are identifying yourself to Jesus. You are joining us as the church together. And as we make a commitment to you, we're asking and calling you and, 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 and expecting you to function as a member of this church as well. 
that as you are being baptized, you are showing the world that you belong to Christ, but we also expect you and call you and come alongside of you so you will live that way both inside the church and outside in the world. I am super excited for our three young men who will be getting baptized today. For them, they grew up in church. And sometimes I think baptism can be the hardest thing for them because they grow up in an environment they've always known about God. But baptism is a time for many of them that they have really counted the cost and say, no, this is not my mom's faith. This is not my dad's faith. This is not my grandpa's faith. This is my own faith in Jesus. And I'm committed. I'm committed to Jesus. So I want to identify myself to him. And oftentimes, this can be a very powerful moment for them to catapult them to maturity and grow in their walk. So Martin, Anthony, Ethan, I'm excited for you, but I also want to caution you, encourage you, challenge you to not let this to be the ending, the, the end line of your walk, but it will be the beginning, starting point of your walk.